This podcast is brought to you by DPM Financial Services. DPM is a specialist medical financial advice firm that aims to empower doctors of Australia to make the right financial decisions and achieve their financial goals. All right, well, welcome to the PodMD studio. Uh, Chin, how's your morning? Oh, so far so good. Thank you for having me, um, Caroline. Yeah, we're very, very grateful to have you here today. And today our focus, as we've talked about um, in preparing the podcast, is really about the effects of pregnancy and childbirth on pelvic floor. Um, And I guess our goal is to really inform the GPs regarding pelvic floor issues. So there's no better place to start, um, Chin, than what are the issues and how common are these issues? Yeah, it's interesting because this is a fairly common problem, and and we I see this uh, I see the woman with uh, pelvic floor issues on daily basis. Yeah, and they're mainly uh, uh, related to a few issues. Bladder can be in the form of uh, leakage, a bowel leakage, uh, prolapse, which is a herniation of the pelvic organ, or uh, uh, rarely uh, sexual uh, dysfunction. Um, and, and it, it is a, a, a common problem that people don't uh, talk about. Uh, and my, my general advice is uh, to, to speak to the reliable uh, healthcare providers that you trust uh, and, and they normally will be able to guide you uh, a bit more where to go from there. I think you're right. I think it's an issue that women don't talk about too mm. much. I know a few of my friends will whisper to each other about mm. this and that, but yeah. it is something that is a little bit still taboo. So yes. it's great we're doing this podcast. Yeah. What are the other issues? So, so, so mainly uh, the the urinary incontinence, as I mentioned before, they are affecting uh, up to forty percent of the women, even up to twelve years after the initial childbirth. And, and uh, prolapse uh, affecting up to 50% of the women, fecal incontinence about 10 to 20% uh, at some stage of their life. Um, and, and they can significantly impact the quality of life. They're not life-threatening conditions. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I think the key thing here is to, to know what to do uh, and what we can do to identify uh, this group of women and how we can... Uh, deal with the problems. We're focusing so much on treatment, but what I'm, I'm trying to, to, to educate uh, most of our colleagues is about the prevention, how we can make things better for women in general, um, and, and prevention is better than care, of course. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Preventative um, mm. techniques and actions are, are definitely what GPs are going to want to know. Mm. So what are the preventions that, that you know of? What can yeah, we do? Yeah. So when we talk about prevention, we first need to identify the risk factors. So they are modifiable and the non-modifiable risk factors. So in the community, the GP can focus on the lifestyle modifications, maintaining the, 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 the patient's weight in the healthy range, normal BMI, um, just healthy uh, lifestyle, healthy diet, preventing constipation, uh, managing or limiting the caffeine intake to minimize the risk of bladder leakage. Um, yeah, so, those things in general. And, and certainly if they, they are doing a lot of you know, high impact activities or for, for occupational reason, then those are the things that we cannot modify. Um, yeah, if, so if you were talking, sorry to interrupt you there, but if you were talking about caffeine, mm. is there a guideline for the, the GPs, couple of cups a day? Uh, there's no fast or hard rule about caffeine intake, to be right. honest. It's uh, pretty much 
depending on how much the patient is willing to give in and to trade off. Uh, no one wants to say goodbye to their no, coffee. No, no, especially when in Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely, hard. absolutely. Yeah. What about diet as well? I'm interested. Is diet just as it's related to being potentially being obese or is it actually nutrient choices? Yeah, diet is probably the combination of both. You want to have a healthy diet, so you, you're maintaining a healthy weight, and also more importantly, to prevent constipation for, for so when, so the bladder, bowel, and, and the pelvic organs are all interrelated. So if one has a problem, then you're more likely to cause a problem. Yeah, not under other. pressure. Correct. Mm, okay. Yeah. Any other lifestyle choices that we can, we can change or improve? Smoking. Smoking on its own is a risk factor for a lot of health issues and it can affect the tissue qualities in general. Chronic cough, that again increases the, the, the pressure of the, on the pelvic floor. So those are the, the simple stuff we can do. Um, and in, in terms of uh, the stuff that we cannot change, obviously, the genetic familial problems. So those are the, the things that we were unable to change. Then we just have to identify that as a problem and manage it as accordingly. It's moving forward. I can see, though, the role of the GP. They play a big role in this because Mm. somebody thinking about starting a family, there's lots of things that GP can advise on. Yes, yes, yes. GP normally is the first point of contact for patients. I think once the GP identified those risk factors and then we try to work according to that. Uh, And certainly if the GP identified any existing pelvic floor issues like some of them have childhood bladder leakage bladder issues then they can be referred on to be managed before they started the family and more of providing information how the the course of the symptoms would change as opposed to stopping the problem completely and and more information for patient as well like whether this is going to get worse during pregnancy or remain the same uh, that sort of uh, absolutely knowledge. absolutely so so in relation to the gp mm. they've tried the lifestyle factors someone's had a baby and now they've got some of these issues occurring yeah. where to from here so i think uh involving their their obstetricians uh for for when they're pregnant is essentially is, is very crucial um and make sure that they can uh, optimize the uh or minimizing the risk factors during pregnancies, maintaining their healthy weight gain during pregnancy, and making sure that the baby is growing healthily and not being uh, overly uh, large or overweight, and the same principle, because that will have an added pressure on the pelvic floor. Um, speaking to, to uh, a, a pelvic floor uh, expert or urogynecologist um, during pregnancy, just to get that advice and how we can prevent things from getting worse and more importantly what can be done if they have issues after uh, childbirth or if they completed the family. Okay so if someone's coming in and they've got certain symptoms for a GP let's say I'm imagining a lot of people would come in and they've got minor bladder leakage occasionally maybe after coughing or sneezing um, compared to sort of more serious or intense um, symptoms how can the GP direct traffic in relation to that? Yes, I would advise uh, the GP to work with their local uh, pelvic floor physiotherapist and most of the GP will have their friendly uh, physio in their neighbourhood that they can rely on. Uh, that will be the first point of contact. And, and most of the time, uh, the symptoms will settle with, with uh, physio. Uh, even, even it doesn't uh, 
completely resolve the problem, it will at least re, um, control the symptom to some extent. Because when the patient is pregnant, we would expect things will get worse. And more importantly is to help the patient to cope with the symptoms during the pregnancy and what can be done after. Absolutely. And lack of sleep and everything else on top absolutely, of that. <laughs> we absolutely. We all experienced that, before. That is just one thing uh, on top of uh, the pelvic floor. Yeah, issues. absolutely. Yeah. Um, we have heard a little bit about a an acronym, your choice. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, yes. Um, this is a, a, a calculator, uh, just like any other screening tools. This is a screening a, a calculator to predict the, the, the risk of pelvic floor disorders uh, following a childbirth. And this tool was actually developed uh, by the, the, the UK, New Zealand and the Swedish group. And they have this uh, risk uh, calculator stratifying uh, the, the risk of pelvic floor disorders 12 years and 20 years after childbirth. And they're, they're just, so your choice is an acronym, is a, is a uh, acronym with all the risk factors and obviously in a nutshell if you have if you're older having more childbirth uh, and having pre-existing problem that risk will increases further and 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 this is more of a tool to counsel our patient uh, in terms of their risk and to guide them on uh, on the the pregnancy and the subsequent mode of delivery and the size of family, depending on their desires. Yeah, it's very not, good tool. Yeah, it's not a a a hundred percent preventative tool. It's more of providing information and counselling, and that will help our patient to make decision on the on the pelvic floor issues and the size of family they wish to have. I think it's a terrific tool for GPs where patients can go home to and and think through um, whether it's pre-pregnancy or, or during or, or whatever and make some better choices. Yes, yes. Um, and, and I think a lot of GPs still not aware of the, the availability of this tool. We don't expect the GP to run the whole consult and counselling on the prevention, but it's more important making patients aware that there are options they can they can explore and, and, they, and then the patient can bring this to their obstetrician attention or, or, or some experts they, 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 they can truly rely on to, to help with them. Absolutely. Well, I'll put the link to the calculator at the, uh, on the notes for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Question I had is how long, if surgery is inevitable and surgery is required, how long after a baby's born can surgery be, be looked at? Or- That's a million dollar question, Caroline. Um, there's no fast or hard rule. Um, as we all know, we love the word this bespoke. We love bespoke service. So again, this goes back to the patient, what works for them uh, socially and, and whether they're psychologically prepared to move on to the next step. And we have to see whether they have explored uh, any form of treatment. The most important, the basic principle is that we never offer surgical management for patients who hasn't completed family. Uh, just partly because if we do a surgery, there's a potential chance that they can undo the surgery with a subsequent pregnancy. So the focus is conservative management if they have not completed the family or if they're still fully breastfeeding the baby because the tissue quality can change again once they stop breastfeeding. So general management would be uh, 
pelvic floor physio rehab and the use of uh, vaginal history for, for pelvic organ prolapse so and lifestyle modifications. Surgery is only considered once the family is completed uh, or when the patient is ready to move on to the next step. Absolutely. Okay, well, I think that um, we've really covered um, a lot in relation to pelvic floor issues and particularly today we've focused on the effect of um, pelvic floor issues after childbirth. Um, I think there's so many more topics we could cover here. You'd be more than welcome to come back and record another one with us, um, Chen, because I know pelvic floor is a huge area. Yes, definitely. This is a, it's an ongoing um, um, debate and research uh, surrounding this field and, and certainly we, we, we want to do something more for, for, for the women because it's such a common problem. Uh, and more than happy to, to provide more education and, and information in the future. Absolutely. So to finish up for today, our listeners are always keen to get their CPD points. And what they have to do there is they have to say the three take-home messages and submit that to the college. Yeah. So just in summary today, if you could sum up for us three main messages. Okay. So our three main messages are prevention is better than cure. Uh, but some of those uh, problems are inevitable that we cannot control. So as a GP uh, in the community, do what you, what you can, do your best, what you can do to help your patient uh, and guide them to the, the proper uh, health expert to give them the, the more accurate advice and management. Uh, and also uh, know your local friendly pelvic floor physiotherapies uh, because they can make a huge difference, particularly in a younger group of women or when they're pregnant. Uh, and that will change their pelvic floor symptoms to some extent, at least. Excellent. Well, thanks once again for coming in today. You're welcome.